It's the Kyle Hyman Show on Redeemer Radio. When I was home on a home visit, we were walking out of the library. I was walking with my mom. And this gentleman asked me, so you mean to tell me that you ain't got no lust in you? <laughs> I was like, ain't got no lust in <laughs> ain't you. Ain't got no lust. I'm like, um. Wow. It's time for Morning Jolt with Sister Ignatia Henneberry from the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration. Wake up! Welcome to Morning Jolt. I'm Kyle Hyman here with Sister Ignatia on the campus of the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration at our picnic table. Our picnic table? Yeah. Wow. And, well, yeah. <laughs> we, we actually kicked out a sister that was down here praying, I think. Oh. Oh, I'm sure she was. <laughs> and I, I felt really bad about it, but she said she had to go to a meeting. That's what oh, they all say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she made you feel good <laughs> about it. We have some extra voices this morning. Would you care to yeah. introduce your friends? Oh, I love to introduce my friends. Okay. Okay. So we have... This is Sister Ignatia and friends. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should have a band. Like, Sister Ignatia and the... 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 Yeah, like... Um... Well, we had a band. Well, a band in USF, Kyle the Glad and the Cat's Pajamas. Cat's Pajamas. Yeah. Okay. You could you could take it if you wanted. I'll Sister Ignatius and the Cat's Pajamas. Like in your band, your sidekicks are the Cat's Pajamas. Do you want to be Cat's Pajamas? <laughs> yeah, I'll be the left leg. <laughs> the left leg. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'll be the right paw. <laughs> <laughs> They're footies. Okay. Anyway, maybe we could ask if we could wear that instead of our habit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, these two sisters Sorry. of mine, my friends, uh-huh. um, Sister Emmanuel. Hello. <laughs> and Sister Chiara Luce. Hi. Uh, these sisters were invested on August 1st. Ooh, ooh. So how's it going so far? Still learning. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really where, great. Where do the names come from? So you submit three names that you feel the Holy Spirit is calling you to, uh, to the council. And they pray about it and choose the one that they also think the Holy Spirit is calling you to. Okay. So I had three names, and my first one uh, is the one I got, Sister Emmanuel, okay. which means God with us. Do you ever talk about the names you didn't get? Yeah. Yeah. I told some sisters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's in the vault. Okay. It's, yeah. it's yeah. not public knowledge. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about you? Sister Chiara Lucha. Lut- Luce. Luce. Yeah. Sister Chiara Luce. Chiara Luce. Luce. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, um, it's not like <laughs> latte. It's latte. <laughs> that would cool. Luce. <laughs> I don't know if they would have accepted that one. <laughs> Reasoning. I really like coffee. I don't know. Yeah. Um, talking about the three name choices, though, I think it's kind of funny. Like we put our first one and it's like, these are the reasons. Uh-huh. I really like them. Here's my second one. Refer to the top because I don't want that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> or I don't want the last one. No, it's kind of funny. So, do you pick um, like really bad names yeah. for two yeah. and three? So it's obvious, like, like uh, Sister Metallica. Like, <laughs> yeah, they didn't pick my number second choice. I guess. Oh darn. Oh. <laughs> Wonder like why. Ursula. Yeah, something really ugly. Like, so Chiara is Claire in it is Claire. Italian. Yes. Okay. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I got a head nod. Yeah. <laughs> I put that in my reasoning. No, Which makes sense as yeah. a Franciscan to, to yeah. pick St. Clair. So the past year, I was really praying a lot about the light of Christ. So mm. trying to find a name that means light. And Chiara means light. So does Luce. But another meaning for Chiara is sealed. So my name translates to sealed by light. Uh, sealed by light. So just thinking. Nice. Yeah. My goodness, myself is sealed by the light of Christ, and I don't have to worry about it. He illuminates huh. me. 
Very good. Have you practiced that? This is what I just said. Yeah, that sounded very weird. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, Refer to our Instagram page. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was short a... and concise, like a, a little yeah. mission statement, a little tagline. I like it's it. A little witness. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sister Ignatia, what what did you bring for us to drink? I haven't tried it yet. I it's, was waiting for the formal. Oh wow. Introduction. It's called Vietnamese iced coffee. So Vietnamese iced coffee. Yeah. Okay. How it originated there? Not really sure, but really simple espresso, sweetened condensed milk. That's it. So, oh, that's good. The last time I, we had something with espresso in it, it was instant espresso. Correct. Is this also instant or is this? No. Okay. So the, you, you brew it mm-hmm. and then you chill it. Yes. Okay. I barely had time to chill it, but I think it, it got there. It's cool. It yeah, my ice is still in there. <laughs> you ever make uh, coffee ice so that whenever the ice melts, it doesn't no. water down your coffee? No. But I've seen that. And yeah. I, I'm very tempted. I've never done it either, but. I've also seen you can put like chocolate syrup in, in mm. with it. Oh boy. Then, uh, so. Now we're getting all kinds okay. of crazy. I don't know. See poverty. Next time. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> poverty. It's a little much. I made it. <laughs> Speaking of poverty. <laughs> yeah. Poverty, chastity, obedience. Are those the three values? Do you take a mm-hmm. fourth? Some, some words take a fourth? We don't. Okay. So, thought we could talk about chastity today and maybe just as far as terminology goes the difference between chastity and celibacy Mm -hmm. to start with take it away sister ignatia (laughs) i will full disclosure i mean we lived a life of so celibate chastity i looked up the definition of chastity okay in the catechism and Miriam webster I go uh-huh. to that very often. <laughs> so how we use in our vow means we're abstaining from any sexual relationships. But uh-huh. in the other use of it and the call for all people to live chastity is to abstain from anything that is unlawful. So that's why you have a chaste marriage. Like you're not engaging in a sexual act that's unlawful. Like <laughs> right. it's within your marriage and that's chaste. So within marriage, we wouldn't usually be called to celibacy, although I suppose there's situations, potentially. But we would be called, as a married person, mm-hmm. I am called to celibacy outside of the marriage. Correct. To every right? other person. <laughs> to, to every, <laughs> every other person. <laughs> yeah. So, but chastity is for everybody. Everybody's called yes. to live chastely within marriage, outside of marriage. And then celibacy would be kind of a another rung up the ladder, maybe, of celibacy. Yeah, a hundred percent of the time. Correct. With the call to chastity, maybe start with what might be the the most curious question that people might have about religious sisters who take a vow of celibacy is is this something for you that you were looking for that felt called to? Is it something that you is attractive about the religious life or is it penitential? Like being the opposite side of the coin. Is this a difficult thing? Was this a huge sacrifice? Was that something that uh, almost made you not want to be a sister because of that? Mm -hmm. Um, I think so. The best advice I got when I was discerning was to ask Jesus, how did he make your heart? So as far as like desiring chastity, like I realized like, I was made to love in this way. So it wasn't something that was, yeah, I wasn't like facing some huge 
death or something, but at the same time, I'm still like a person. So the natural desire for a family and for Mm -hmm. a husband was real. And I had to think about that and pray with that and bring that to Jesus and say like, okay, you made me to love you in this way. And I know like, I know in my heart, my, I will be fulfilled in that. And I've experienced a lot of joy that wouldn't be possible otherwise, Hmm. but I still have to, I guess, account for, yeah, all the, like the natural feelings and everything. When I was home on a home visit, we were walking out of the library. I was walking with my mom and this gentleman asked me, so you mean to tell me that you ain't got no lust in you? <laughs> I was like, ain't got no lust in ain't you. Ain't got no lust. I'm like, um, wow. I was like, back blunt. up. <laughs> like, a couple steps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, we That's need the to- most offensive part. It's the double <laughs> neck. Excuse me, sir, your language. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that started a really long conversation. I was like, so I didn't answer that directly. <laughs> but I'm just like, well, I'm not an angel. I'm not like without any kind of emotions or anything, but I love my life. Like I wouldn't, Jesus wouldn't give me a life that I can't be happy in or I'm not made for or um, yeah, experience his love in a special way and be fruitful in a special way. So for Sister Emmanuel and Sister Chiara Luce, Great job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right on. Uh, this being a newer experience for you, or, or you more recently went through the the discernment process, how much did that idea of, oh, I'm never going to get married, I'm never going to have a family, how much did that play a role in your discernment? The, the idea of celibacy, mm-hmm. was that a big part of the discernment or was that a minor part? Yeah. And I think about when I was discerning, especially in the beginning, it wasn't like, oh, I feel really called to live a life of celibacy. Uh-huh. Like that wasn't the first draw. <laughs> so Lord, thank you for showing me that I am called to celibacy. Let me now find an order. It uh-huh. was like, oh, I kind of feel called to be a sister. Uh, and I'm really attracted to this order that I get along with really well. And oh, if I did become a sister it would mean being celibate the rest of my life and what does that mean and then praying with that so I think it was more of the draw of the joy first and what could this life be and then recognizing the other sacrifices I have to make mm-hmm. um and to think like I grew up thinking oh one day I'll have a family sure little kids that'll be cute and have curly hair like me and <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah taking that to prayer and being just talking with Jesus okay these are the desires I had growing up how are you going to take care of them? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think the whole aspect of being drawn to religious life first, not necessarily like being drawn to a life of celibacy, like how that played out. So do you see it more, Sister Emmanuel, do you see it more as a a blessing or a burden or mm. some, or would you describe <laughs> it as something else? Well, at first, yeah, when I felt called to religious life, you feel called to Jesus. So... You don't understand everything. You don't really like I I honestly did not know a lot. I did not know that sisters were spouses of Christ. I didn't know the three evangelical councils. I mean, I just there was so much I didn't know. What I, I don't what are the three evangelical <laughs> Sorry. Councils? Uh poverty, chastity, and obedience. Oh, those so, are those are called vows. Sorry. Evangelical vow. councils. Yes. Huh. So evangelical the gospels, councils as in you may choose to do this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, Thank you for the clarification. So, you're welcome. Yeah. So at first, right, you're called to Jesus and then he shows you little by little, like this is what this life is going to entail, right? The cross is in every vocation, but giving ourselves fully away and in the cross united with Jesus is where we find our life. So I realized poverty, chastity, and obedience are not an end in themselves and that they're the path that religious take uh, for fuller freedom to be totally his. And he gives you, and really it's a grace and it is a gift. Maybe at times, yeah, like it's very hard. Uh, For me, I grew up in a big family. I always wanted kids. I have five younger siblings that felt like their mom, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I always wanted that. So that was hard for me. But then experiencing Spiritual motherhood is something beyond I could have imagined. So motherhood is physical and spiritual and seeing the greater yes and the gift that it is to be a bride of Christ and spiritual mother. Yeah, it's powerful. And this might be a little bit of a jump, but I feel like there's a little bit of overlap and maybe you can speak to it from your experience and perspective to you chose this life of celibacy. Well, you can say that God called you to it. You responded mm-hmm. to that call. But from the outside, people would say like, you didn't have to do that. That was your decision. For other people in the church, whether they've just never found the right person and they're 50 years old and single or somebody with same-sex attraction, the church would say that they're called to celibacy as well. And they might say, that's not fair because I didn't choose this. It's not fair to, I'll put it in quotes, punish me because I have desires that are different than yours or that I just haven't found the right person. But why can't I just love who I want to love, how I want to love them? Why is the church demanding celibacy of me just because of the way I was, quote unquote, born Mm -hmm. or life circumstances that have been thrust upon me? Right. I think the fact that like one, we consider like celibacy as a positive value. So like the rest of the world doesn't see it that way. So as if I'm not looking at you, someone who um, either by life circumstances or dealing with the same sex attraction, I'm not saying to you, I'm like, well, I'm going to condemn you to a life of without love. Hmm. I'm inviting you or the church is inviting you to a life of sacrifice and sacrifice. Some of those sacrifices I can sympathize with and understand Mm -hmm. but i'm not condemning you to a life without love yeah so to say that like the church is taking away some like right of someone when living out your sexuality in that way isn't according to your freedom and it isn't good for you yeah i don't want that for you i don't know i remember um i was at a spoke at a conference and i spoke on spiritual motherhood and i had older women coming up to me like 50s 60s who would either you know, been divorced for a long time or hadn't married or or whatever. And they came up to me and they're like, I never knew that I was also like a spiritual mother, mm. that I could treat my neighbors in that way or like that's what was I was really doing. I was like, okay, so they've gone through their whole life and haven't realized that there's more for them that they can, um, right. yeah, still give, still love. Do you think there's a difference between a person that has some kind of, I don't know, hope or false hope that 
things may change in the future versus somebody who's accepted mm. this. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe for a single person who thinks, you know, if eventually I'm going to find the right person and then I'll get married and I don't have to be celibate for the rest of my life versus somebody who says, this is something that God has called me to. So for you, you've taken mm-hmm. vows, you've accepted this life versus somebody kind of hanging on to this potential and not really submitting to a life of celibacy and kind of waiting for this kind of, I don't know, almost like ban to be lifted yeah. or something. Yeah, I think there's a, a huge difference that yeah, no one else can tell them like, well, since it hasn't happened yet, like, well, you clearly just need to give up and live a happy celibate life. Like, well, no, mm-hmm. like they know in their heart what they're called to or what they're made for. Um, so if they, if you really feel like you're made to be in a spousal relationship with another person and be married um, and that's what you're made for and it hasn't happened for some reason, like that is a suffering. So I do think the church can be better about talking about that, but not to say that your life is worthless. Like it's, that's not it at Mm -hmm. all, but that is a suffering. Yeah. So I think maybe being better at like sympathizing with that, that yeah, true. Like there are sacrifices entailed in my life because of the vows I've taken, but I know those, I understand those, and I understand the greater the greater good that's there and like what, yeah, the relationship that Jesus has called me to and that's why. But also like, yeah, Jesus isn't just my spouse, he's everybody's hmm. too. So the person that's finds himself single, um, Jesus hasn't abandoned them. Like they're, yes, the spousal relationship might not quite be what it is in religious life, but he's he's there. Sister Emmanuel, do you think that being in a community is helpful? That having like-minded people, that there's some strength there? So for somebody that might have same-sex attraction, I don't know a whole lot about things like eat an invitation or courage, but maybe being part of a group that is encouraging celibacy might be a, a source of strength for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think community... For any circumstance, I mean, yeah, it encourages you. It helps you be open to the grace that's there. And whatever situation you are in, whether it be your outside single life or same-sex attraction or in a religious community, the grace is there all the time for you to live that out, you mm-hmm. know, in the different forms that it is in the cross. Yeah, all the grace is there. So, Uh, And doing it together with sisters that are also trying to fully participate with that grace and with God's work in them, because it's all him all the time, is very encouraging and inspiring. Yeah, and it helps you persevere. So, yeah, I would say absolutely it helps. Good. Well, one of the things that I think this brings up the topic of is a lot of what you're doing, including celibacy, is countercultural. So maybe next week we can talk a little bit about what it means to be countercultural and when that's a good thing and bad thing. I think sometimes we lump everything in culture as a negative. And so then to be countercultural about everything is a positive. And maybe some of that's accurate. Some of it's inaccurate. But next week we'll talk about culture, counterculture. And if you're willing to join us for that, we'll have the, the new sisters as well. <laughs>
Oh, they'll be here. Oh, good. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, thank yeah. you, sisters. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. For more shows, check out kylehyman.com. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, remember to leave room for the Holy Spirit. <laughs>